Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where we actually have some good news this week. Two clean sheets, which is something that's completely unheard of from this Chelsea side, but I guess we'll take it. But before we get, hey, into we said that we detail, said the same thing last week. That's not that's not what's new. <laughs> what's is new it? is the six points. That's what's six, new this week. Uh... We had the clean sheets last week. We just didn't get you the know, six you, points. You know, you are right. But the, yeah, this time it feels like an actual clean sheet because we actually, yeah, because we capitalized with the points. We exactly. actually got the points. But we, before we, we get into the podcast, though, I saw my, I do have to introduce, I do have to introduce you guys. Otherwise, you're going to call me out on it. So, okay. <laughs> um, but, but Andres, I mean, you've had quite an eventful week. How are you feeling, man? Um, I'm feeling good, man. So last week I missed the podcast and I thought, oh, you know, I'm just really tired from this, from my best friend's wedding. Well, fast forward to three days later when I'm in bed with 101 degree fever, turns out I got COVID-19. So Boom. I'm feeling great. Those two days had a fever, had a cough, had a sore throat. But since Thursday morning, I feel great, isolated as the doctor ordered. And I've been, uh, you know, apart from working from home today, I've been getting a lot of FIFA and a lot of live soccer matches in. So, so it it's be a weird wor- situation. Yeah, it could be worse, right? Could be worse. Oh, far worse. Could be worse. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. I'm not by any means saying that COVID is a hoax or anything of like course. that. On the contrary, the of one course. time I don't wear a mask in public, I get COVID. So how irresponsible so, um, of you, listeners. Andres. Yep. Take it as you take it as you wish. But yeah. <laughs> Exactly. We're not making uh, any stances. We're just reporting the facts. Yes. Yes. Hey, um, numbers don't lie. First public event without a mask. Boom. Hey, you you're one of the you're right. one of the ninety nine thousand. Um, <laughs> Doctor Fauci was only like a thousand people off in his prediction for the mm-hmm. for the new COVID surge. But um, but anyways, I mean, Andres, we're glad you're all right, man. And uh, we definitely missed you last week. But it doesn't look like Chelsea missed you much because we still picked up six points, right, Tom? <laughs> Like you were saying, yeah, I think yeah, Chelsea definitely missed Andreas because they, well, everyone listens to this podcast and <laughs> they're like, that, man, he's gone. Yeah. We need to play for him. Mason, exactly. Mason Mount plays this on his way to Cobham every morning. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that, if if anything, it was a sign to like an homage to Andreas was Frank finally switching to that four three three as Ooh. he's been calling for this long, you know, all this time. So maybe it was Frank. He was like, you know, he was like, hmm, that's weird. Andres isn't here. What was that one thing that he always says? Four three three. Oh, let's let's try it out. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh... yeah, let's try the attacking eights for once. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll, we'll let, let's get into that. Um, well, first we got to start off with the Krasnodar matchup. Uh, a very misleading uh, final result, four nil. But really, you know, up until like the seventieth minute. Uh, that, that match was ours to lose. Uh, it was it was really anyone's game to win at that point. But uh, starting eleven, uh, so this was before the switch to four three three. You know that happened mid match. So we started off with Mendy and goal, Chilwell, Rudiger, Zuma, and Aspie uh, in the back line. Then we had the double pivot with Kovacic and Jorginho, and then uh, Cho, Havertz, Ziyech in the front with Werner playing striker. Um, so let's talk about the first half. Uh, just to start off, right off the back, Mendy with a fingertip save. That was like in the fourth minute. Um, I mean, I couldn't even imagine 
how the rest of the match would have gone if we conceded a goal within the first five minutes. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. that that was a disaster like, waiting to happen. And that's just like another thing that just is the importance of how how well Mendy's played there's since he started and it's it's i i know we haven't played exactly the best competition but i mean like a save like that is uh something that was lacking for a long time with keppa but uh, after that chose goal off a mistake can't get a goal if you don't shoot and that he did so um <laughs> there's that <laughs> Uh, I mean, you can see it in his face, just the reaction, the, the the reaction after the shot. Like he, you could tell that he he knew that that was that shouldn't have really gone in. But there was re- an England like, keeper that did that in the World Cup years ago. I forget who it was. Green he literally dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Green. yeah, it was, it was, and the ball went like through Chelsea his legs legend. Much. Yeah, and oh, uh, Europa League champion. <laughs> that's true, but also oh, that that goal though. I mean, the lead up, like. I think it was Havertz. He held the ball up for a second and played a beautiful ball that 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 got reviewed for offsides, and it was just a perfectly timed pass. Uh, it could not have been more perfect. So, and then Cho with a great touch and shot. So, uh, you know, take take out Still the error exactly. Take out the error and everything leading up to it, and the final result is phenomenal. I, I was really happy with that. Then um, shortly thereafter. Uh, I think this is something that we got to talk about real quick. Uh, Jorginho with yet another missed penalty. Um, the, it, it's gonna, you know, there's, there's, it's inevitable that this is gonna spark the discussion of whether Jorginho is uh, the guy to be taking our penalties moving forward, especially when Timo, you know, that even later that match we get an, awarded another penalty and Timo just blasts it in um you know it's a different it's completely contrasting style from Jorginho's um but Zach I'll start off with you is it a time for a change or is there no need to overreact to uh just to I mean that second one was pretty unlucky honestly hit the post bounced off the back of the keeper but that went in I don't think we have this discussion right yeah no we don't have the discussion but at the same time um you have to look at Frank's outlook on his penalty takers. Like last year, we had the Ross Barkley fiasco against Valencia at home. Where Cross Barkley. Never, yeah. Where, that was Cross Barkley. He was supposedly our designated penalty taker while we had Willian on the pitch. And then I'm not sure if we – And Jorginho. We did and have Jorginho on the pitch too, yeah. So One of the funniest moments, I think, not... being, a, being a Chelsea fan was that <laughs> was that moment. It was actually hilarious. What is it? What's that like? Twitter account like moments that lead to disappointment or something like that. <laughs> Does no moments before disaster? Disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, well, we can definitely do like a then and now post. Um, then being Ross Barkley wearing a Chelsea kit in the Champions League, taking a penalty, and now him playing in Aston Villa. I think that's pretty much sums up. Hey, they're above us right now. Honestly, that's, yeah, I know. That's an upgrade I know. for him. <laughs> <laughs> that's an upgrade listen, for him. Listen, I, Kind of going back to the penalty thing, though. I mean, last year, Frank was really quick to just kind of jump out and say, no, Ross was our guy. He was our penalty taker. I'm comfortable with him taking the pens. Um, We didn't necessarily get that same reaction from Frank this time around. But just my opinion, guys. I mean, uh, as nice as Jorginho's pens look when they come off, he looks like the biggest idiot on the pitch when they don't. Um, I'm old school. I'm all for your goal scoring players, your strikers or your wingers, whoever's your, you know, marquee attacking player taking those pens and just picking a corner and smashing it like Timo did. 
I'm a really big fan of those. Those are pretty much foolproof. I think the only cute penalty that I ever truly felt 100% comfortable with was Hazard's, um, where he just kind of would, would, would slow down and wait for the keeper to dive either to his left or his right and then roll the ball to the other side, which seems a little bit more effective than Jorginho's. I feel like Jorginho... I mean, what is this? His third penalty miss? He missed one in the cup final last year, and then and he's then already missed two missed this season? With, yeah. Third I mean, look, he, he he's missed enough for him to be taken off penalty duties, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, see, this is also another thing to think about, you know, coming in, it's the unconventional timing that really threw off keepers, you know? And I think yeah. after a couple of years of, you know, people watching it, is, is do you think there's anything to it that, you know, that, that rhythm, like keepers are now aware of that and they're able to react to it better? You know what well, I mean? well, Andres, I mean, do you want to, do you want to kind of yeah, dive Andres, into it? What do you, what do you think of what I just um... said? Is that, is that a possibility? No, I, I think it is. I mean, I know by now it's no secret that Jorginho is going to jump. I still think it's a hard thing to prepare for, though, because yeah, yeah. even when you know it's Jorginho, I mean, yeah, it's still in the moment of that you're only 12 yards away. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's it's a tough thing to to go on. Um, I do want to say that if we're going to get picky about him missing three, Werner has missed three penalties in his career too. So not sure. You know what I mean? Like I get the cycle for me, it's a psychological thing being, and and again, I'm a little bit towards, I get Zach's argument because I'd love for my striker to take him because I think when a striker is not playing well and he scores a penalty, then like something just kicks in his brain and then he scores again. So Werner scored a penalty here and then he scored over the weekend. I don't think that's a coincidence. So yeah. for me, it's why not give the guy that whose whole career depends on scoring the chance to score as much as possible, which is my argument for that. In terms of for Jorginho to keep shooting, I mean, he's not even our starter. So like anymore, I would hope, crossing my fingers, that he's not in the pitch as much. But it is tough on keepers, and that's the first time that he misses the frame. So he's had one blocked or two blocked and then one that hits the post. If you're telling me that he keeps missing the frame, kind of like how Messi has done in the past, or or that keepers are consistently blocking them, which isn't the case either, then I'd be like, yeah, get him out of here. I think it's a slight overreaction, and it's an easy one to have, like you said, Sam, because Werner scored later and in a totally different fashion. I'm not I'm not necessarily overreacting, Andres, but but like you said, when it comes down to the psychological aspect, especially especially the way we've been talking about Timo the last couple weeks. I mean, me and Sam touched on it how he hasn't necessarily put up the numbers that we would expect someone like him to. And mm-hmm. granted, we are giving him you know that little grace period to kind of get you know more accustomed with his teammates in the league and Frank and whatnot, which is fine. But the psychological aspect of your striker taking the pens and seeing the ball hit the back of the net. And giving them an easy opportunity, that's that's huge for me. And then another thing is, if you're if you're not gonna give it to your striker, then you gotta give it to your captain. And here's here's I think where it comes what it comes down to. I don't think necessarily anyone here thinks that Jorginho should not be taking penalties anymore. But at the same time, I don't think that he is farly superior to taking penalties than a guy like Timo Werner. Yeah. Plus the added effect of you know, I mean, you, you don't really care about getting Jorginho's confidence going by getting a goal in. I mean, he, he's not he's not that kind of player. But with a guy like yeah. Werner, where 
you could probably say that they're probably even as far as penalty taking capabilities you know maybe he's a little bit less but the the potential like benefit of him getting his confidence up i mean this whole match by itself was really good for our team's confidence like you know you got timo yeah. with a goal and an assist yeah. cho with a goal Pulisic with a goal ziek with a goal havertz with an assist tammy with an assist mendy with a clean sheet like these are all guys that you needed we needed them to get going and mm -hmm. i think that you know if you apply that same logic with penalty taking like giving it to Werner is not necessarily taking it away from Jorginho, right? And you get what yeah. I'm saying? Like it's no, just, it's no. just, it's a better, it's more of a benefit to Werner, right? And one thing I want to add is, is kind of, I think I don't remember what year we were talking about either Timo or, or not Timo, Thibaut taking a penalty for Chelsea, like out of the five designated players. I remember, yeah. <laughs> and bro, you have a guy in Jorginho who averages probably less than 0.3 shots per 90 versus yeah. a guy who makes his living on it. You would think that the guy like Werner or Tammy or, you know, a winger, etc., is going to put fire behind that shot. And even if the keeper guesses it and it comes in hot, that goal will probably still, the ball will still go in versus mm -hmm. Jorginho who rolls it. And it's now a guessing. Yeah. Game. Yeah. So like, just talking about how you hit a ball, how often you hit a ball, I think that applies here too. Yeah. Again, I think nothing is going to change after this, but the fact that we have kind of switched our tactics will probably mean that moving forward, Werner is going to take as many, if not more, by the end of the season as Jorginho. Yeah, and I think when you put power, when you put, sorry, Sam, one last ahead. thing, but like, when you do, when you do put power on it, like Werner did, the only real way a keeper could save it is if they literally time their jump perfectly mm -hmm. otherwise i mean that thing's going through their fingertips or it's ricocheting off their hand into the side netting which we see all the time in right the Premier league with penalties like we always see keepers get their hands on it mm -hmm. but but they never could get a strong enough hand or time that jump perfectly to kind of parry it out and away from the goal but and it's not even Georgina like that did. shot it's not even like that shot went into the corner i mean it was it was no. still pretty far in the middle but just the, the amount of power on it he had no time to put his hand up and get a you know yeah, yeah. and, and even then like if you do get a full hand on it you might still send it straight back to the guy that hit it if you too, if you yeah. roll it and you get a hand on it it stays right in front of the keeper he makes a save and keeps the ball i'm all for but it, it i'm all for it if you it. want a good example you could look at hazard's penalty that won us the league against palace at home it was one of those penalties where he didn't necessarily roll it, but he put a little bit of power on it, and the keeper got a save, and the ball hopped up, and he headed it in. Just the ask same our manager. can be applied here. And especially if you have a guy as quick as Timo, too, if you're putting the quickest guy on the pitch to take the penalty, the second that ball deflects and becomes fair, Timo's going to be the first one to jump on it. Mm -hmm. And now if you're putting him in inside the box as the only guy that's inside the box, I mean, you're going to take him winning that ball nine times out of ten almost every single time. But credit to Jorginho, though, because he did have the keeper beat on the pen. It wasn't a matter of, mm -hmm. of the keeper like making a ridiculous save. It was more Jorginho was literally two inches off to the left. Right. Also, I mean, I, I don't think Jorginho would really necessarily mind giving up that role, right? I mean – if he's going to no, be the assistant player. Cap, exactly. Like, yeah. I don't think it would do much to his confidence, you know, like, you know, like to like think that, you know, normally you're, you're taking a, if, if it was like a player like Tammy and he would mm -hmm. remove, you know, take him from that position that might affect that's his confidence a, that's a little big bit. That's big news. Yeah. 
I'm not worried about Virginia. He wouldn't care. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. No, I'm not really worried about it because I mean, if his if his confidence was something to worry about, it would have been shot already because he's been in and out of our starting (laughs) eleven about four times since he came here. And he gets a lot yeah. of shit from us too. Let, let, let's stick with Jorginho. Let's stick with Jorginho for a second. Uh, let's quickly talk about the double pivot again. Um, I, I think that it's okay to play with the four-two-three-one, uh, just because you know we don't want to become a one-dimensional team that has to rely on four-three-three completely. But I just can't see it happening with Jorginho in there. Um, to be completely honest, uh, I mean, and to do it without. N'Golo Conte is just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and Andreas, do you want to start off with it just to talk about that double pivot? Ah, oh, man, I, I just, I'm trying to figure out because at one point last season, the Jorginho Kovacic double pivot seemed so smooth. And I mean, I guess teams just know what to do when it comes to Jorginho being on the ball a lot better now because and heck, maybe even Kovacic at times, because I don't think either of them ever feel comfortable moving the ball forward. And and there's just, it's not that they're doing, if I don't even know how to explain it, because it's just, there there is no going forward in this, in this double pivot, period. It's very frustrating to be superior to, to, the, other, to the opponent in every way and have two guys who you believe have the skill level to, beat this midfield like easily and not do it bad passing not passing the ball forward just going backwards more than forwards without even turning and looking i i really don't know where where to even pinpoint it because it just looks like it's not they're not, it's not that they're not trying i i don't know i'm at a loss of words when i watch this double pivot especially when you see how much of a stark of a contrast it is when you like i think last match um Ziek and havertz their link up play uh they're always looking for, to move uh, to pass the ball up the pitch and they had right. like one build up i think it was around the 70th minute or something that was just absolutely beautiful that ended with like mason mount taking a shot on target that was saved but I mean, you, you you will not see anything close to that when you have a double pivot with these two guys. I mean, at least right now. Zach, what do you, what do you think? I'm, I'm not a fan. And and I think, you know, we talked about last week, again, with, you know, any playing a double pivot with Conte and Jorginho. I mentioned how Conte wasn't necessarily given justice in the sense that Jorginho is not mobile enough to pick out those passing lanes and to move into space as quickly as other players. And I think this week it was a bit of the opposite. Um, I think Jorginho and Kovacic were taking up similar positions on the pitch. And they were kind of confused as to who's going to be the one to drop deep and collect and who's going to be the one to maybe push up forward a little bit. Um, It it was completely non-cohesive. It didn't make any sense. And kind of like Andres, I mean, usually when I watch a match, I try to follow a player for at least like three or four minutes of the game just to see what kind of positions they're taking up. It might give you a better idea of what kind of direction the manager gave them, either defensively or mm-hmm. in the attacking sense or whatever it might be. I was watching Jorginho and Kovacic, and I was absolutely dumbfounded as to what instructions they were given <laughs> or as to what exactly their role was supposed to be in terms of build-up play for this game because – you know, I, I'm shocked that I heard Andres said that Kovacic is incapable of bringing the ball forward. But in this game, it was true. Um, 
I'm usually the first person to go out and say that, you know, he's our one midfielder that can dribble, um, that can that has the ability to dribble from one third to the next from you know deep lying positions and we just didn't see it in this in terms of a double pivot you would think that they would make sense in europe or you would think that they would be decent in europe because it is a little bit more lightweight in terms of the midfields and you know possession-based styles do tend to prevail um but it just yeah it, it didn't make any sense and then i mean we're going to get into it i'm sure but you know once the 4-3-3 came along it was it it was kind of hard to remember that Kovacic and Jorginho even started the game to begin with <laughs> when I, mean, I was up, watching in the second half. Up until that point, until we made that switch and around the 70th minute, I mean, I was just ready for the sky to fall. Uh, like mm-hmm. it was just the, the match was just ready for us to blow. Uh, I I I felt it. I even said it. I was like, we're gonna bottle this. We're gonna end up losing. I can't believe it. And uh, in the 70th minute, I mean, God bless these five substitution rules in the champions league bringing on Pulisic, <laughs> uh conte and mount switching to the 4-3-3 i mean immediately we scored three goals in 20 minutes uh sp- <laughs> the biggest impact coming from Pulisic, uh getting the hockey assist on the first one uh drawing up the penalty and then of course the goal uh between the legs of the keeper cheeky cheeky touch um but i mean that was really, really exciting to see. And like, it's so sad for me to say that now knowing that, you know, he, he got hurt in the pregame warmup for the next match against Barnley. But, uh, Zach, what, what did you think of that switch to the four, three, three and, you know, Pulisic's impact as well. Andres is going to love this. Um, (laughs) not that I've been anti four, three, three, but, but, but I've always just kind of been a follower of the four, two, three, one, because, you know, we've just seen a lot of success with it, but it's not a coincidence that we switched to the four, three, three, and we get what, like three goals in 20 minutes. Um, I think introducing Pulisic had a big, big impact in terms of us turning the game around, but just in general, this formation seems so much more fluid. And players just seem so much more comfortable in it. And we'll, we'll talk about Kai Havertz a little more in the Burnley match, but he was one of the players that I was watching the most when we switched to the 4-3-3, and I really liked what I saw from him. He started taking up um, he started taking up better attacking positions by making late runs into the box. Um, but he what he was also doing was tracking back defensively. So we weren't necessarily defending with only two guys in in, in Conte and um, in Conte and Mason Mount. Kai Havertz was actually dropping deep as well to help, you know, win the ball back. And and then, of course, when we get in possession, he's the one that helps us transition into the attack. If you just look at our squad from top to bottom, the 4-3-3 does make the most sense because you're, you are going to be getting most out of your best player, who is, you know, one of your best players, who's in N'Golo Conte. And then you're also putting, you know, two are three of your most efficient attackers that you have in Pulisic, Ziyech, and and Werner in their natural positions, where you're not necessarily asking Pulisic to do as much defensive work in terms of tracking back. He's not necessarily playing as a midfielder in a 4-2-3-1. He's a natural winger. Same thing goes for Ziyech as well. So I know Andres is going to agree with me, but just based on the eye test and what we saw from this game, I mean, the floodgates opened up, and it was because we were fluid and and players were switching positions and rotating and, and and everything just seemed to sort of click all at once which was a huge relief because some i mean 
And Russia is not an easy place to go to. It doesn't matter what team you're playing. Yeah, I've been Anytime there. Anytime you got to make a 5,000 mile. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would know, right? You were at the World Cup. So, yeah. I mean, anytime you got to make a what a four or 5,000 mile plane flight, uh, a flight to another country to go play a football match, I don't care who you're playing against. That's not easy. And they have so, the highest you know, capacity of like any Champions League match, which was pretty crazy to see. It like, was I totally forgot seeing, how it was. It was weird <laughs> seeing Chelsea fans in the like in the arena as well i mean the russian Dude, that's fans, like obviously. that's like us. shout out to them it's yeah, awesome that, bro that's like us we're we're chelsea fans in america when they come here we support them They're, there's chelsea fans right. all over the world i love it yeah but, but oh, by the way i just before we get andreas's answer i just want everyone to know that andreas is actually like deathly ill right now but he stomached it just so we could kiss his ass for being right about the 433 <laughs> so this is the moment he's been waiting for take it away andreas <laughs> thank you thank you guys i'd like to accept this uh london football award on behalf of Chelsea of the year for saving for saving their season as a bit bit part consultant you thank you thank you for you're welcome frank lampard for keeping your job safe um <laughs> you're not going to do the speech in your uh in your jose voice <laughs> nah, i don't want to i don't want to talk about him right now because spurs is actually as a team they're doing decent so yeah. um well let's where do i start guys i first off let's talk about mason mount because a week ago we were praying to god that he would play in the middle and in 20 minutes plus this weekend he reminds us that in the 4-3-3 he's a top five player for chelsea no hard wow. stop old love that hard love stop. that mason mount is a different player altogether and he knows his role perfectly he has said this in multiple interviews that he is a central midfielder and it's just whenever you put it's like putting a fish back in water the guy knows exactly when to cover he knows exactly when to press he knows exactly when to pull back and because of that you're right, Zach. Pulisic can have his freedom. And we look more solid defensively. And also more threatening going forward because the decision-making for him becomes easier. He has a pass to his left to Pulisic, a pass forward to to uh, to Werner. He's got Kai kind of running beside him to connect with. And if he needs to switch, he's got Aspie and Ziyech far right. It's so simple. When he receives the ball... He's facing the goal, not facing his own goal, which is something that is totally different to learn as a midfielder versus like a target man or a winger, per se. And so for Mount individually makes his life easier. I'm going to move up to the next sub, Conte. Conte now has two options to pass out of the back. And him being even slightly deeper, he has not just two center mids to that are pushing wide to give him options. The fullbacks are now further forward and gives the, gives him two more outlets too. So Conte looks far better in possession because he has options to go to, making his decision-making easier. And then defensively, the way we press in a 4-3-3 lets Conte do what he does best, not press, but mm -hmm. sit back, react, and protect the back four because the four guys in front of him are – uh, yeah, four guys in front of him because Werner presses first, and then you have Pulisic, Mount, Havertz, and Ziyech pressing as a as a flat four in front of him that can once in a while let a guy go rampant and and then become three. But ha uh, Conte doesn't have to be pushing up; he gets to sit in that center circle and just wait for one of those passes to somehow get through the press. 
it's mm-hmm. it just makes everyone's job easier. It just hits different. <laughs> the four three three just hits like different. That. Yeah, it, it just be like different. That, but no, and, but and that was a great I, that, was, that was a great. Sorry, yeah, just sure. I just wanted to say that was a great like summary of how specific players improve as far as like what they do with like how the, how this formation gets the best out of all of them yeah. I, that that I, that improved my understanding of it as well to be honest that was great and, and and one thing last thing is yes kai havertz is further from goal so we may see maybe his goal contributions go down slightly but again if mason mount is becoming a threat then they're going to focus on him leaving kai already on the right side meaning he's favoring his left foot when he shoots slightly more open or vice versa. Maybe Kai's going to create more because, again, you can't just focus on him in the middle of the pitch. There's going to be two guys who have the energy and the engine to stay at a high like tempo for most of the game. Mm-hmm. Not even not even Mason Mount just becoming more of a threat. More like Mason Mount running the fucking show if you watch mm-hmm. the Burnley match. I mean, yeah, and we'll, was, and we'll get to that, yeah. yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll give him even more praises. But yeah, just as a system and the players we have, this is going to mm-hmm. allow the offensive players to really shine and really show us the, the fluidity that Zach alluded to. Mm-hmm. Guys like Ziek, who grew up playing in Ajax, which is all about fluid football. Werner, who likes to drift in behind. He can check in and then drift. Kai gets to then move wide at times, which he's also successful at. Pulisic can drift middle if Mount decides to go past him. It's just, yeah, the the possibilities are endless. And it hides the potential deficiencies that Frank has as a manager because he doesn't have to tactically be saying, you need to go here and you need to go here because Mm -hmm. as long as we do the work defensively, once we win the ball back, it's their show to run as they please. The struggles in the buildup are gone. You look at that. You look at the four-three-three lineup in the second half of Krasnodar, even against Burnley. Was there one? Was there one player that you could look at and say he was playing out of position? No. No. There was. Exactly. There was no sense of of fitting square pegs in round holes. There was no sense of us playing a certain way to accommodate a player like a four-two-three-one, so he could accommodate Kai at the ten. Which I was a big listen. I'm gonna put my hands up. I mean, I was a big advocate for Kai at the ten. I still think he's a great ten, but we cannot be adjusting our whole setup just to play Kai there. And I think that's what Frank is kind of realizing now: is hey, we can get a lot out of our other guys, and Kai could still get his without me necessarily having to set the team up to specifically accommodate him because. I think it was doing kind and justice in a way because he he's he is a very versatile player. He doesn't only For have sure. the ability to play a ten. We saw it against Burnley. He was playing a box to box midfield role. I mean, he put in a shift defensively and he was great. It's so great to see. I mean, we have all of these multi positional players, and you know, mm-hmm. if you're if you're another if you're the opposing manager, it's so hard to prepare for that because you you don't know what you're gonna get. As you know, they're they're moving back and forth, and it's kind of hard to keep track of you know who you're marking, and so I mean that that's just I I think I have, we have to start giving Frank a little bit more credit um, because you know he I, he might be have been treating he might have been treating these first couple of matches a little bit differently had we had a preseason, but you know these first couple of season, matches were pretty much our preseason, and you know the opportunity for him to figure out what's working, what's not. Uh, test things out 
and I think we found it. I mean, we had, we got a 20-minute taste of it in this match. Let, let's move on to Barnley, where we got a full 90 minutes of it. And, I mean, you know, let, let, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Like, right off the bat, I just want to, you know, put a little disclaimer. We understand uh, Barnley's str current struggles right now. They're definitely, you know, one of... The, if you're going to say Barnley, Saw, you, you, you got you to gotta whip out the accent. Barnley? Yeah, otherwise, <laughs> that, that's good otherwise it sounds like you're just saying like a like a third division team. It did honestly. When I was listening Barnsley? to the oh, I was I was listening to the English commentators and he said Burnley. He yeah, said Burnley. Yeah, yeah. So what he's not so was I wasn't wrong. It depends where you're from, Sam. Where are you from? Where's your accent from? <laughs> I'm from the Valley Fool. It's not from the Midlands. <laughs> no. Uh but well Let's get back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Burnley from from the Valley Fool. All right, Burnley. We're gonna talk about. We're gonna. I'm gonna start calling him Burnley from now on. I'm sorry, Russ. It's it seems more natural. I was forcing Burnley. Um. So starting eleven. Uh. This was almost nearly our. I, I think one of our best elevens. Uh. Obviously Pulisic, the last minute scrap. Um. But in goal, Mendy. Uh, back four of Chilwell, Thiago Silva, Zuma, and Reese. Um, then a midfield three of Mount, Conte, and Kai. Um, and then originally, I I I believe wasn't it supposed to be uh, Pulisic, Tammy, and Ziyech, or was it was it? Who, who, I think it was supposed to be Pulisic, Tammy, and Ziyech. Werner yeah. was supposed to be on the bench. That's my bad. Right, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. Werner, yeah, Werner, I think, because the, we are going to talk about, you know, the amount of match time he's had and whether he needs a, a, a rest. I think Frank was intending to give him the rest today or that uh, on so Saturday, but he ended up having to play him because of Pulisic's pre-match you know, pre injury at the time we had no idea what it was but it turns out another hamstring injury um so let's just start off with that um we got a question from both uh ron aka bone daddy cool aka bone daddy deluxe aka bone daddy supreme and nick lenartson they pretty much asked the same question on twitter um they asked how worried should we be of Pulisic's injury woes i mean he he has had a history of recurring injuries missed a couple months last season and then also when we f first initially got him he was hurt um but zach i i know you've ex you've expressed some uh some fears with these recurring injuries what do you think yeah fear not frustration and i think that's something that chelsea fans need to understand um <laughs> it's not it's not his fault that he keeps getting hurt um I mean, I they, they set a stat, and Ron corrected me in, in the group chat, but they set a stat during the match that said about the amount of soft tissue injuries in the Premier League since Project Restart has risen about 47%. Um, mm. So that kind of gives you a good indicator of, one, don't try to come at me and say these guys aren't playing too many matches. Um, and number two, that the matches aren't are, are coming thick and fast. That they're you know them jumping into playing two matches a week after taking four months off. Um, you know, it's not a coincidence that guys are going down injured. And we saw two of our players pop their hammy in in, in the cup final. We saw Gary Cahill pop his hammy in a match against us. You know, it's not. <sighs> 
as much as people are getting injured around the league, that's a concern overall. But there is a very, very genuine concern when it comes to Pulisic specifically because these injuries aren't a result of him getting the hazard treatment where he's getting the crap. I mean, he is getting the crap kicked out of him. But it's not the knocks that are keeping him out of games. It's the soft tissue non-contact injuries. Um, maybe it might be the amount of football. It could be the way he plays. I mean, Pulisic is one of those players, as we all know, who does rely on that quick burst of five, six yards of athleticism mm-hmm. to beat his man. Um, you know, at top speed, sure, he's quick. But, I mean, when, when you talk about those five or six yards, he's one of the fastest in the Premier League. I mean, that's what really sets him apart. So he's using his hamstrings. He's using his calves a lot um, in that sense. And the fact that they keep popping is worrying, man. I'm not going to go and say that he's injury prone. I don't think he is. I don't think anybody is. Um, you know, if Derek Rose could come back from injuries, then anybody can. But it's it's knock one on of those things. Yeah, knock on wood. It's one of those things that um, that you just got to kind of look at and think to yourself, okay, does it really make sense for us to treat this as a minor injury and bring him back in a couple weeks? Or should we actually just give him some time off <laughs> in a way, right? And kind of use the injury as an excuse to just say, hey, take an extra couple of weeks. We need you absolutely 110% fit. I don't want him coming back if he's 99.9% fit. It doesn't make sense for us to do that, especially at this point in the season, guys, where we got, you know, games coming thick and fast for one, but we also have depth, which is something we didn't have last year. Last year it was a necessity to play him, but now we have other guys that could fill in in those positions and that could, you know, kind of be a stopgap between now and then. Like this season is going to be a transition season for him. It's going to be one of those seasons for me where – he needs to focus on only his health so he can come back as so he can have a healthy summer and come back next year 110% fit. It's not damn, take the whole season off? No, 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 no. I'm not telling <laughs> him to take the whole season off. I'm just saying Chelsea needs to prioritize his health in the sense that let's not rush him back. If this is a if this is a 4 to 6 week injury, I don't want to see him training after 4 weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys sure understand th- what I'm saying? I'm I don't sure there's a lot of back. that. No, no, no. I'm sure there's a lot of that in yeah. this decision. I mean, I'll before we Andreas before you, you know, can give your answer, but I wanted to quickly just say what Frank's exact quotes were. Uh, he was asked about it this morning, uh, saying that Christian picked up a hamstring injury and will be out for quote weeks, you know, classic vagueness. So, you know, that leaves it open. Uh, you know, here, here, here's the quote. Uh, he says he's played three games. We've tried to manage him in the weeks and it's a small feeling in his hamstring. So we'll have to see how it is over the next 24 hours. It's a minor feeling that he had, but definitely not right to go into 1990 minutes of a game with that. Hopefully it's short term. We're talking weeks, so I think there is a lot of that. What you're saying, Zach, um, uh, you could so. you, you saw the video of his reaction before the match. Uh, yeah, he was frustrated. So that that's maybe a little bit telling that the decision for him not to play was not his. Like I think he was ready to go, but the team's like, you know, if if you're not like you said, if you're not going to be able to, uh, you know, take advantage of your if your speed and your quickness, which is you know the main reason why we brought you in, then we're not going to put you out until you're fully fit. Um, but I, I, I do question the decision to not start Cho instead of Werner if you do want to get get him that rest. But 
you know, may, we do have uh, Ren coming up. Maybe that's that's going to be a good chance. But Andreas, you you want to talk about Pulisic real quick? No, uh, I, I don't have anything specific about You're Pulisic. You're not a doctor. It's just <laughs> I'm not a doctor. Okay. No, sorry. Yeah. But there is for. no preseason, right? So these guys, Pulisic came off of essentially yeah. his his hand. Well, before the hamstrings. Let's even go further back. He comes back from the the COVID hiatus, project restart. And the moment he starts playing, he doesn't come off the pitch anymore. Leads to the the hamstring injury at Arsenal. We don't have a preseason, so we get, what, like three weeks total? And by the third game, he tried playing again. So, I mean, add, add the, the hamstring earlier this earlier this year. And the fact that there was no full preseason for these guys to really hit the reset button in terms of what caring for their bodies is like on their own time. And and this is exactly why Lampard's talking and still complaining about the fact that the Premier League doesn't have a five-sub rule like the Champions League. Yeah, he thinks I mean, it all is, the other leagues do. Yeah, and he thinks it's – he mm. and he's said it. I get it. I get the argument against it because we have a deeper squad or whatever, but this is impacting every player and every club. This is now about the safety of our players, and it was a non-contact injury, and that happens with fatigue. We played six matches in four weeks, six mm-hmm. very competitive matches in four weeks. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think this is a politic problem. I think this is the situation we're in, and when you have a player that is so vital to this team and such a added factor to what you want to do on the field it is hard to make those sort of decisions and mm-hmm. it was, he's just unlucky to, to get hurt again um the one saving grace is the international break and the fact that the next run of games we have isn't quote-unquote the toughest so i'm hoping that you're right that we give him a break but that, that's all i have to add yeah I mean, we did bring sad. him back pretty quickly and then like the same thing with aspie because aspie popped his hammy too and it looked just as bad as as as, as uh Pulisic's. Aspie came back pretty quick as well, which is which is pretty odd to me, considering you know he he's a little older than Pulisic. It usually takes him a lot longer to recover from something grade, like that. There's different grades of hamstring injury, so it's not yeah. the same, you know. Yeah. But I but mean, my my issue that I was just trying to communicate is if this does carry on, and if we do keep trying to bring him back and trying to get him into, and we keep trying to reintegrate him right off the bat the second he's healthy, time and time again. It could stop yeah. becoming a Premier League problem, and it could only become exclusively a Pulisic problem. That's my issue. You can't tear the same hamstring multiple times without having long-lasting effects. It doesn't work like that. You just ask Gareth Bale. I trust. I trust. I trust the team to do the right thing, and I think they yeah. have what you're saying in mind. All right, let's talk about the defense real quick because, uh, I mean, in the past month, our defense has looked phenomenal. I mean, completely different from when we started off the season. Uh, I mean, Mendy has kept a clean sheet in the month of October through five matches. I mean, that's just incredible. Uh, His I mean, only the, five matches at Chelsea. Yeah. Well, no, the match, the um, the Tottenham match was his first. So oh, fair enough. Fair enough. That fair was, enough, but that was enough. last month. So, and the only the only match where we gave up any goals this month was the South was Southampton match where Kepa was in goal. He gave up three. Uh, I mean, that's everything you need to know about um, the decision to buy Mendy and to immediately integrate him into the starting lineup. I mean, I feel bad for Kepa, but 
at the same time like that he did this to himself you know i i can't yeah. i can't really feel bad for that but um we got some uh twitter questions about the defense we'll start off with tiago silva and this question comes from kendall higa i think this is a first time question because i do not recognize that name I but kendall how are you doing um Shout he, out asked, kendall. he asks uh is it he it's a Yes, it's yes, yes. A, yeah, unisex name. Sorry, Kendall. He asks, why, why do headed clearances by Tiago Silva seem so much more authoritative? Uh, <laughs> or I think he meant to say authoritative. Uh, or is it just my imagination? Uh, Andreas, what do you think of Tiago Dude, Silva? I, I, think I, I think I have the same issue. Like, not issue, but I come across the same thought process when I see Mendy make a very average save <laughs> just when the player when you haven't had a center back and and in my opinion again a goalie who can do the simple things consistently well everything this guy does right now seems like he's got the Midas touch the headers the simple 10 yard pass to the midfield just chesting the ball and controlling it from the air little things like that truly do feel like Tiago Silva is just you know the best things in sliced bread and and i don't think i don't think it's a bad thing that we're letting ourselves love every single bit of it because we have gone through really really shitty center back play and yeah when you get a guy like tiago silva who oozes class for free you're going to just enjoy every little bit of it every little bit of it so wow. kendall couple, you're not alone a couple gems in there andres Best thing since sliced bread. Ooh, Never heard that one. You're on your I'm really bad at idioms. I'm not gonna lie, guys. I probably butchered that. One. <laughs> and and Tiago Tiago Silva who oozes class for free. I like that one too. It was nice. Cha-ching. I don't have any. I don't have any better way of saying that besides I agree. For some reason, when yeah, when Tiago Silva or Edward Mendy do something so simple, it just looks so great. It's so much better than the crap that we've been dealing with. It's calming and reassuring. It's it's sort of like the way Ben Chilwell defends. Where yeah, add him to the I'm list. actually not worried about him in a 1v1 situation. I'm like, okay, you know, he he's a decent defender. We actually have a chance here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After years of year, Marcus Alonso. Where it's like Alonso's going to get like, you know, either megged or the defender's going to tap the ball around him and then <laughs> sprint around him on the other side and get to the ball. I mean – but no, it's 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 definitely been a huge upgrade on what we've had. Um, but but I think the big thing with Thiago Silva and the reason why I think maybe he seems more authoritative because I mean Zuma's numbers just speak otherwise. I mean he's the most dominant defender in the air this season. But Thiago Silva has that ability to just kind of command his area and command the pitch and his personality sort of comes out in the way he plays and when he does come out for those headed clearances or he does make those interceptions, or he is making those simple 10-yard passes like Andres was talking about. He does everything with that authority of being so sure of himself. He has that almost, I want to say arrogance in a way, but at the same time, it's very well merited with him because, I mean, this is a guy that's been a top defender for the better part of 15 years. So, And one of our leading goal scorers too with three goals. He's the best of both worlds. No, no, no. Uh, Zuma is. Yeah. Oh, I thought you. Oh, I thought you were I'm, talking I'm about Zuma. Ti- Sorry. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking about Thiago Silva. I'm still waiting for Thiago Silva to get his goal because I'm gonna go nuts when that does happen. See, and it's it's so great. 
how far we've come from that first match where he gave up that goal off an error and uh there <laughs> there was a lot of panic but I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second because this has always been the knock on Thiago Silva that he, you know, is one of the best center backs of our generation. You know, he he's played in the French league and, you know, most in an Italian league where he really has, you know, a couple tough matchups a season. And for the most part, he's playing against teams that are far superior to him. So it's easy for him to look like one of the best center backs. But against tougher competition, he does tend to have uh, to disappear and have a couple blunders here and there. And I and I think that it, I want to just play devil's advocate here and, and say that because of the competition that he's been able to play against, uh, maybe it is uh, inflating his numbers a little bit or I mean, not actually numbers but it's even from what you see um but mm-hmm. you know uh, you know and we've been in a we've been in really good form recently and i don't i nacho uh fuentes on twitter shout out to venezuela actually made a really good point about that same thing he asks uh considering the run of clean sheets with mendy and goal are we finally back to being the solid chelsea with an impregnable back line or is it just a good run of form? And I think that kind of he's he's asking the same thing that I'm saying right now. Like you know we've had good we've been in a good form lately and we haven't been playing the best competition. Of course, Man United we we drew nil nil with, but Man United's have just had trouble of their own as well. Um, so is this a good run of form with you know favorable matchups, or? Is it more likely that we've actually found ourselves and are you know one of the top defenses in in the Premier League? I mean, right now we're we have I think we have nine goals conceded, and I think we're only two off from the least amount in all the Premier League. I mean, that's just a, such a huge reversal from where we were last season. Zach, I'll, what do you think about that? That's what happens when you when you bring in the right players. Um, the the impact that guys like Thiago Silva and Chilwell and Mendy have had has just been exponential. Um, There's no doubting that we've upgraded in all three of those positions tenfold um, going into this season. But I think going back to Nacho's point, it is a little bit of both. I think it is a bit of us being solid. um, But at the same time, we, we did hit a good run of form. I think the team is feeling pretty good about themselves. And I think I give credit a lot of uh, credit. I give Frank a lot of credit for this because after the Sevilla match, the tone on just in general. Um, I mean, if you go on football Twitter, the tone is always all over the place. But the general feel after the game was pretty divided. Some Chelsea fans felt optimistic, and others felt, well, fuck, you know, we couldn't get the winner. Um, but Frank in his press conference said, no, I'm, I'm. This is a positive for us. We got the clean sheet that we've been dying for. And it wasn't lucky. It was it, it was done by commitment and just playing well, flat out. And I think we can give a lot of credit to our defense now because we are playing well, flat out. And Mendy's making saves. Thiago Silva's doing his thing. Ben Chilwell, I mean, I, I keep saying it. He looks like he's been here for years. Um, it, it's just an exciting time to be a Chelsea fan. But going to going and looking forward especially with the switch to the 4-3-3 song, 
I think teams are going to have a very hard time figuring us out because Andres alluded to it. That 4-3-3 allows you to play total football and, and, and you could adjust and, sh- and shape shift and players could change positions. And you can have, you can see four or five different attacking or defensive looks in one game through a 4-3-3. And when we talk about the players that we have and the ability for each player on our team to play multiple positions, that just makes us a position, uh, basically a positionless football team in possession. So Not to mention getting now, the best out of the best, you know, def- defensive mid probably the in the whole world. In the world. Exactly. So you combine our great, you know, our good defending. I'm not going to say great just yet because it is, you know, early days. But, it but has you combine been great. that solid defending with the four three three looking into the future, and man, we are a hard team to beat. I know Andres agrees with that too. Yeah, guys, I I want to just say, first off, these clean sheets haven't been a fluke. I think, yeah. for They've one, been... yeah, they you can see our defense is playing better. And, and I think, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but I do think that this isn't a run of form. I think that this is it. Like, I think this is what our defense is going to be like the rest of the season. I say that because... We're not depending on Ben Mendy to bail us out because he's saving a lot of things or vice versa. You know, we're not giving up dumb chances and the other team is missing them. We're not giving up chances, period. Mendy is maybe getting a save or two a match. And be as it is, he is stopping them, which credit to him because Kepa in games like this would still concede somehow because he's not good at that sort of thing. So our defense is not allowing easy chances. We are also... Our defense is also getting a boost of confidence because they trust the guy that's behind them. And and they're finally getting the run of games together as a, as a mostly same unit that they didn't get because of the lack of preseason. The one sub we'll see for big games is it's going to be Aspie and Reese switching. The other three guys are starting. And I think that's something you guys agree with mm-hmm. also. So that brings consistency there, along with Mendy in the back, and along with Conte playing the DM role. So out of your furthest six players, five of them will always start the big games. That's already the consistency you need for a defensive game plan that we didn't have at all last season. And add the managerial merry-go-round that included different opinions on who the best center backs were. It's been a mess, and Frank figured it out with just one full offseason. Which not even full off season, one full transfer window. Yeah, well, let's so, move on. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Don't want anything. No, no, but no. That, that's all. That's that's all I wanted to say. Like it's it's done. Like we the, we're gonna be playing well if we can continue to have these guys healthy. Right, and, and I just wanted to move on to one of our new additions, Ziek. I mean, I think arguably he could have been the man of the match of both of these matches that we talked about today. Um, Nick Nick Lenartson huge huge fan of the pod and we are huge fans of his as well um he asked on twitter ziek first epl game on a scale of one to ten how good is this guy i start with a 10 <laughs> so high praise from nick uh he, he's a huge fan of, of ziek and uh i mean zach will for good reason yeah, Zach will back me on this that I was a huge Ziek fan way but oh, I mean Andreas was here too. This is when I was talking yep, about. I think Ziyech. we all were when we saw him play in the Champions League, man. He, he was Even always one of those players I always bought on FIFA just because I was like he's just so good. He needs to move somewhere else. He really is one of my favorite players and I think there is something to being a left-footed player that actually mm-hmm. just 
makes makes it more enjoyable to watch because you're kind of used to knowing what kind of movements and you know kind of things that a right-footed player would do and it's just tricks your brain a little bit and you're like huh he's left-footed that's great and just his cutbacks you know he, the balls that he makes over the top from the right side of the pitch with his left it's mm-hmm. just it's it's so money man i i'm in love with this guy i think he's amazing i'll give him a nine and a half though I, I, I never want to give a 10. I think he's one of those players that just doesn't disappoint in terms of entertainment value. He's always going to have that little trick up his sleeve or that really creative ball. or he just, He's going to do something that's going to wow you. He has a wow factor. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but more specifically, when it, when it does come down to Ziyech, especially in this game, guys, this is what we bought. You know, it, it, this isn't, it, it's not really surprising me that he's doing, you know, this well and that he played this well against Burnley. But I feel like so much of the attention was on Havertz and was on Werner, especially when Pulisic started coming back from his injury. We started talking about him more and Ziyech got kind of left lost in the fold a bit. Um, not necessarily forgotten, but I don't think there's any doubting that there's that there's just straight up world class ability in there. And and he is essentially a cheat code in the sense that he can single-handedly win you a football match. I mean, he won us the Burnley match. He got the opener. Um, if it didn't come then, when was it going to come, guys? We didn't look very convincing prior to the goal. So looking forward, man, I mean, this is this is exciting. And, and, and something I want to see a little bit more, I mean, we kind of talked about, I don't know if you kind of already mentioned it or not, but him switching with with Kai Havertz and their ability Kai Havertz playing on the same side as Ziyech their ability to kind of interchange positions where Ziyech tucks into the midfield and Havertz kind of goes out onto the wing or even takes up a forward position it just offers us all this fluidity and so many options in the attack but the most impressive part about his game is the timing of when he releases the ball because he's similar to Riyad Mahrez in the sense that he's not the fastest player he's not the quickest he's not the strongest either but he he knows when to get rid of the ball and he knows when to take players on and when not to take players on. Like his decision making on the ball is just on point. I, I'm just so excited. So I'm like you. I'm I'm kind of stuck at the point now where I'm looking almost every day and trying to decide whose jersey I want. Who's Dude, I was on. about to say that too. I keep <laughs> on like, changing my mind. Because every day it changes. Like before the season started, I'm like, I'm buying a Zuma kit. Like I haven't yeah. had one. He, I've loved him since Saint Etienne. And somehow I never got myself a Zuma kit. Then Kai Havertz comes, or then Timo Werner comes. I'm like, I'm going to get a Werner kit. Then, Z- <laughs> I mean, it's just, who, my, whose my kit jump, am I going to get, guys? My and, jump and, and was... We haven't my, even talked... My, we barely saying. mentioned how good Mason Mount was in this game. That's yeah. another one. Well, we we're going to get into him. But uh, yeah. my my jump has been from I started off with Pulisic, then I wanted Kai Havertz, and that then I wanted Chilwell, and now I think I want a Ziyech. I can't I can't <laughs> decide. I'm going to have to buy the the whole starting eleven. Like I'll get a Mendy keeper keeper kit at this point. Also, <laughs> my uh, my fiance has a Willian kit. Uh, 22 maybe i can just like change the lettering on the top <laughs> well you Save do have the Pulisic 20 the what was it 22 right yeah so yeah you have the Pulisic yeah. 22 too you got it right before he changed his number yep same yep. here yeah cool. i got That's it as cool. a gift and now See? i uh now thanks I natasha it. you blew it 
God. No, damn. man. Now I have I have the Pulisic 22 Champions League edition home kit. So now I gotta get the Pulisic away Premier League kit. So that's what I'm doing to make sure that I can get the 10 Pulisic. Fucking but I agree, it's, it's tough. And and Ziyech, Ziyech makes it tough on on everybody because yeah, you're right. He because you get the two guys like Havertz and, and Werner who their game is all about the output output and their direct goal contributions they score a lot and they assist a lot you forget that Ziyech is going to bring the creativity and he's your setup man he's the guy that's going to dribble and pull guys out of position to then find the easy pass or he's going to be the one that unlocks a defense with a diagonal through ball to Pulisic in the back post what he does is is hard to track because his passes, much like what we thought Jorginho would do for us consistently, are what's going to lead to the goal, whether it's directly or not. That's that's the part that's a, up for a toss. But, yeah, he's going to check in and then switch the ball. He's going to go wide and then pull a cross in. He's going to maybe dribble three guys and then take a shot and score. He can do a little bit of everything. And and I, I'm... I'm with Nick Lenartson because the Premier League is not an easy league to debut in. I think it's a 10. The guy got a goal and an assist against the most physical, one of the most physical sides in the whole Premier League. That's incredible. I don't, I don't think you can give it anything other than a 10. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Burnley, Burnley is the team that you would think ZX struggles against because these are all like six, four, 200 pound wall guys. Like yeah. ZX is the complete opposite. Yet here he is. Like we said, switching with Kai, switching wings with Werner, going all the way back and retrieving possession, going all the way up and being in the corner flag. I mean, the guy was literally everywhere. I, I want to see a picture of his heat map because it should look like a U-shape that yeah. starts in the corners and goes all the way down towards the center of the pitch because he literally covered everywhere except the inside of the box. He's like Ozil with a good attitude. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Pretty much. Slightly and more, he... I'd say slightly more athletic in the pace side, but yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I think so too. Damn. All right, Zach, you already mentioned this earlier, but we're gonna talk about Mount real quick because, I mean, it's just Mount of it... the match. <laughs> Mount of the match. Of the match. Oh, was... there's our title, baby. It was Thank crazy. You, it was crazy. It's like mind blowing to me because this is something that I've never considered how him playing in his natural position would actually bring out the best in him. It's crazy. I thought he, he, it was best to utilize him in his unnatural position as a winger, but it turns out Frank Lampard, he, he is a genius. He's a mastermind. And he figured out if you put him in as an eight, uses, you know, combine his unreal engine with his, you know, offensive prowess and defensive work rate, it's a perfect it's it's the perfect combination it's as mm -hmm. if frank knows what a proper number eight looks like and then saw mason mounts and was like hey you can do that i mean there was a couple plays where he tracked back to make a tackle you know running this is like it's so much more important to have that kind of skill set in the midfield than it is as a winger and i just i i'm surprised it took this long but i'm happy uh, I'm just read through his stats real quick. 91% pass success, 80 passes, including three key passes, one assist, seven duels won, three tackles won, which is a 100% a, a success rate, six recoveries, an interception, 
two aerials won. He led the he led the match in most passes completed in opposing half, most chances created, most shots attempted, most take-ons completed, most tackles, most shots on target, and most assists. I mean, that was a lot to get through. Like, that took me a good 35 seconds to read all of his <laughs> amazing stats. Uh, but, yeah, Zach, since you brought it up earlier, uh, why don't you get started on this uh, Mount Fest we, we've got, we got going on right now? Future captain material, guys. I've been saying it for a while. I've been saying it for a while. Look, I... I, I mean, yes, he is playing his natural position. Um, but I remember before Mason Mount even came to Chelsea or came back to Chelsea in terms of like playing for the first team, we would always do our loan roundups at the end of the year, Sam. And, and me and you have always spoken about him in this sort of light where like he needs to be playing the number eight position, no question. And now we're finally starting to reap the rewards of it. I mean, it speaks for itself. His playing style and his capabilities of what he is and isn't able to do on the pitch is tailor-made for a box-to-box midfield role. And something that that shocked me in this game was not only the fact that, you know, I, I mean, we know his defensive work rate. We know that he has the odd goal in him and that he can create when he wants. Um, but it was the ability for him to drop deep and take responsibility off of Conte to pick up the ball in those deep positions and keep playing moving. And you might say that, okay, well, doesn't that disconnect Chelsea's play? Because now our eight is basically dropping back into a double pivot position and dropping near Conte to pick up the ball. No, it doesn't. Because if N'Golo Conte is getting the ball there, it's not moving across the pitch as fast as it is when Mason Mount gets it. Mason Mount, one touch, bang. It's automatically out onto a wing or it's out to one of our forward players. Where we got N'Golo Conte, who's going to probably pass it sideways or backwards. And, And I think that's the real difference here. It's not necessarily putting someone next to Conte, like in a 4-2-3-1, where we're putting him there to be a passing option or to help us transition, it actually makes more sense to play with that double eight and just have Mount do the running. He already He's going to be doing it anyways. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, it was one of those performances where you kind of look at him and, 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 and it's, it's hard not to be inspired. And it's hard for your teammates not to be inspired either. I remember there's one play specifically where Mount literally chased the ball all the way. He chased the ball basically out of bounds um, right by the benches. And when the camera panned out, you know, you see Frank clapping because it was just an unreal effort from Mount, first of all, and it's his son. Um, But you see the whole bench on their feet clapping. And, and I was even on my feet clapping, too. It hypes me up when we have players that just look so committed on the pitch. Like, and we always say the bare minimum for us to like you is just to play your hardest, like, like play with, you know, play with the pride of the badge. And Mount is doing that, but he's also backing it up with performances, too. And it's just it's it, it's a dream right now. I'm in dreamland with him. Mm-hmm. And Andres, you hit the nail on the head earlier. He is a top five player for Chelsea not just in terms of his importance to the team, but what he can bring to the table when he's on top of his game. Case in point, this is everything that we have been wanting Jorginho to be in one match. And it's just beautiful. I mean, Zach, you've covered everything. So I I don't want to get too redundant. What I just want to touch base on is I saw this picture and it was talking about regen, like, Chelsea's regen midfield and it was 
Essien, Lampard, and Balak. And all I can think about is like, man, if only N'Golo Kante was Ghanaian, this would yeah. be like the perfect region midfield. Like that was my favorite midfield under Ancelotti, which yeah. was probably my favorite team to watch. And I think that sticking to this formation with that midfield in mind is going to give us that sort of showtime blues again, where we score for fun while still being so solid defensively. And I, I said it earlier, and you're right. I, I think Mount in the eight in the four three three is top five player for Chelsea, if if not higher than that. I think he is that good. And at the end of last season, I, I remember saying that he has to be the first name on the sheet if we play the four three three. And I think that it applies here now too, because the midfield needs that hard worker to go alongside Ngolo Kante to bring the perfect balance. I, I know I said earlier Mount's performance was everything we've been waiting for Jorginho to do. I meant to say Kovacic. I just want to specify that. I don't want anybody <laughs> to think that I Thanks think Jorginho's going to run around making six <laughs> six recoveries and three tackles a game. Like Mount yeah, I was going to say, that, that that's what was missing from Jorginho. If he had that, he'd be a top he had five that. player in the world. <laughs> no, he did, he did exactly what Kovacic normally does on his yeah. A game, but he's also putting up numbers, like, like he's getting assists, and he's getting mm -hmm. into the attacking third, which Kovacic very rarely does. It's nice to hear this mount praise after, um, you know, I think he's gotten a lot of hate uh, the past couple of weeks. And That's I think a load that, of bullshit. This I mean, me off. but I think a lot of it was mostly just annoyance with frank not playing him in his natural position uh so yeah. i think it was a mis misguided uh, frustration from uh chelsea twitter but i wanted to wrap this up just by quickly mentioning the germans through 10 matches uh havertz with four goals three assists Werner with five goals three assists um i mean just do, do you guys think that this is exceeded your expectations it's met your expectations i mean that's how many that's uh 15 goal contributions combined between the two of them in 10 matches that that's that's fantastic in my opinion uh andreas, getting your what, money's worth man. Yeah, yeah what do you think andreas i think this is great man I, again there was no preseason, so to ask timo Werner to have 10 goals by now is unrealistic and also you have to think these two guys are just now starting to play their preferred positions consistently. So these numbers should be exponentially improving as weeks go on. So I'm beyond thrilled to have this sort of output. I believe, if you want to include Ziyech, Ziyech is now... So I, I believe this season when Mourinho was back and, and he was saying how important William was and when we won the league in 14-15, Ziyech is on his own, if we want to toss him to this equation, is already three goals away from the goal contribution of Willian. So imagine these guys. These guys have already met Willian's full goal contribution to one of our last title-winning seasons. Yeah, Just putting a little Willian jab, huh? There's always yes, a Willian jab with you. <laughs> it has to. It feels great. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it's money well spent, man. And, and Andres, is, you're 100% right. The, the ball's just starting to pick up speed now, you know. Like it now, now we're really starting to chug along. So those numbers should go up. All right, um, let's move on to uh, some news. 
Uh, first little quick bit of news. Billy Gilmore was back in training with the senior squad. Yes. Um, really nice to see. Um, there's a lot there's a lot of uh possibilities of where we could include him in the starting eleven. But um, you know, it looks like as of now, four three three is probably the way to go. Uh Nacho Fuentes actually had a question on Twitter uh asking what was our best or first starting 11 with the 4-3-3 and is that affected at all with the inclusion of Billy Gilmore? What do you think? <laughs> Andreas, what do you think? I think it's too soon. Uh, <laughs> For I best did, 11. I did love I did love Billy Gilmore at the base of our midfield in the FA Cup match and those couple of games he played there because he was just so quick to get the ball off his feet. Um, he has grown in stature a lot since he started breaking into the first team. So hopefully now he can fill in a little bit. I think he's able to do any of the three midfielding roles in the 4-3-3. So it'll be interesting to see if he can get a, a few minutes here or there, or if we're just going to plan to loan him out. But our best 11 for me is Mendy and gold, Chilwell, Zuma, Tiago Silva, and Reese James in the back four, Conte, Kai, and mountain midfield, Polisic, Werner, Ziyech. Yeah, that's my yeah. best eleven too. It, it, it's pretty obvious what the best right. eleven is, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> it I is. think I think the only thing that can change would be like Azpi and Reese. I wouldn't argue with anybody because I could see the right. logic. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I want to talk about Billy Gilmore for a sec because did you guys have you guys been keeping up with the social media game? Did you see him meg yeah. Timo Burner? Yes, and his reaction Filthy. afterwards. You see that uh, the face he made afterwards. Yeah, it was hilarious. So you love so, to see that. So you come back. You're, you know, you just get, you just come back from a major injury. You're, you're a young kid, and you see, you know, the German national team starting striker, club marquee signing. You're in a rondo with him, and you have the balls to meg him, and it actually comes off. And then um, today, something else came out, and I think this is a little. Ziesh thing too but you know Ziesh and, and Gilmore seem to be getting along also like I think it was Ziesh that posted a picture of them both like just on a training pitch and Ziesh kind of had his arm around him like they were laughing about something but Ziesh seems to be pretty close with like a couple other guys on the team like Tammy specifically he seemed to really get along with right off the bat I, it just it, it, this this team just has such a good vibe about them everybody seems kind of on the same page and they all really like each other there doesn't seem to be any rifts there's no red flag personalities in the squad either and i and i give a lot of that credit to guys like rudiger and guys like Giroux, who aren't necessarily getting the game time but they're not necessarily throwing a fit either it's it, it's just it's just happy days right now and i i imagine you know with the players coming in with the transition of learning english um, mm -hmm. you know, they're just getting used to it. And then all of a sudden Billy Gilmore comes in, throws in, uh, <laughs> you know, curveball with this Scottish accent and just catches them all <laughs> off guard. And they're like, Whoa, what language That's are what you I speaking? Oh, really? <laughs> Nobody understands Billy Gilmore. Yeah, yeah. To this day, doesn't understand them. Exactly. And in the FIFA, like promos they were doing for their overall ratings, Ziek looked at him. He's like, I, I don't know what you just said. Like it's on camera that these That's guys, are <laughs> And I think it's just amusing to them that this kid who looks like he should have a squeaky voice has this deep, rough Scottish accent, which makes him just so much more lovable. 
that's hilarious how we both thought the same thing because that is actually the first thing I thought. Uh, but uh, you, we love we love the Scottish uh, the Scottish people out here. Um, so let's let, let's wrap up with our match previews. We we got we're gonna run through two of them. Uh, we have one more question. Oh, we do. You're right. This one's from uh, Leonard Cohen. Uh, he's been uh, hanging around oh. the last couple of episodes. And Leonard Cohen. My favorite. T- my favorite part about all of his questions. It always starts off with a dear pod, like a letter. Uh, and that's just the it. extra thought that makes it more formal. Uh, Edward Mendy's positive start to the season. Does the pod think that Chelsea are still in for AC Milan's goalkeeper Gianluigi Donnarumma? And I think the same question could be asked about, like, just in general. Should Chelsea be looking for the next keeper or, you know, is, is Mendy more than just a stopgap? Like, can we can we just stick with them? Zach, what do you think? Yeah. Based on what we've seen, we can stick with Edward Mendy. I, th- I think there's other places in the squad that need immediate attention. After this season, we're going to need a center back, regardless of whether or not Thiago Silva comes back. I don't want to run next season with a 36-year-old center half, you know, relying on him. We're going to need someone to back him up. So I think the money's better spent elsewhere, to be completely honest. Um, but we, I don't think we've made Leonard an ultra, have we? Can, can it, I answer before we get to that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. <laughs> uh, Leonard, thank you for addressing us as the pod i think that's hilarious we are all we are three of us with one mind the pod it makes <laughs> me think of uh the toy story little green aliens the are like the pod. Yeah. Yeah. We're the pod the pod but um <laughs> it's actually funny that he asked this question right after the game and then i think it was simon phillips reported that chelsea isn't gonna be now going for a keeper in the near future specifically throwing in donnarumma as the the name that had been floating around that was mentioned in the tweet i read so look at you leonard cohen nostradamus over here do you think that Uh, leonard has inside sources or is leonard simon johnson's or simon phillips who who is it his his inside source or or is he his inside source (laughs) <laughs> oh, he could be. That's crazy. Yeah. Either way. Yeah, maybe now we have an inside source. I can't remember exactly. which listener keeps asking us to check with our sources. But hey, Leonard. it's Leonard Cohen. Spoiler <laughs> Secrets alert. out. Secrets out. But um, yeah, I think we're good, man. I think it's one of those things where, you know, just like teams such as Liverpool can claim, oh yeah, we knew all along that Andy Robertson was going to be a baller. Like, I think we can now <laughs> pat our own back and be like, Peter Cech always knew that Edward Mendy was going to be a baller, which is oh, why we true. pay a lot of money. So yeah. it's it's time for us to kind of just see the rewards of going cheap rather than overpaying, and hopefully it's it stays that way. I think Mendy is is also very grateful of the opportunity, so I don't see this guy getting a big head and, and kind of slacking off because he has been a guy that's lost his job altogether when it comes to football. So. I'm excited, and I hope it continues to work out. And uh, Zach, you want to go back to what you were saying earlier? Yeah, I wanna I wanna summon Zaron for a uh, for a knighting of Leonard Cohen. I think it's time that that we Oops. that we invite him into our Discord. What do you guys think? We have One he has potential. Once we get the 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 approval from 
from the head ultra himself we will do. arrange Leonard, the Discord. Once once you get the approval from Zaron, be sure to hit the DMs, bud. We'll get you in our Discord um, for some match day chatter. And that also goes to all of our other listeners too. You guys should you guys should learn from Leonard. Yeah, the more key. you exactly, the more you ask. And this don't don't uh, consider this as us bribing you and trying to get yeah. inside information from you. Okay, we genuinely want you part. Well, yeah, it's and, not and up don't, to us. And don't worry, we don't ask for money. It's just a regular like group chat. <laughs> but you should pay us though. Like that's that should it doesn't could. stop you. <laughs> you could. There's nothing stopping <laughs> you. But uh, all right, let's uh let's let's move on then to the match previews. Uh, let's try to condense these two previews into one because I think both of them were going in as heavy favorites. Uh, even though Ren is in a pretty decent run of form. Um, you know, five, they have five wins, three draws, and one loss right now in league play, uh, including 18 goals for, which is the second highest scoring team in France behind PSG. So uh, they're not necessarily just going to you know roll over and die. But um, still, the way that we've been playing, it seems like this shouldn't be much of an issue, uh, hopefully. Uh, what do you think, Andreas? I think we should come out with six points i don't think anything less is acceptable i know that zach is going to allude to rend league form but at this point we found our strongest formation we are relatively healthy as a group and we're on a roll so the worst thing that could happen to us is to hit a stumbling block right now yeah i i don't think we should be hitting any of these or going into any of these games lightly um just considering that you know ren is a club that doesn't get the opportunity to play in the champions league every season let alone two seasons in a row um so this is i mean this is a big moment for them and obviously for all their players so they're clearly going to be up for it i don't think there's a doubt about that um but but i think you know going into the sheffield game more importantly we have to have a very similar mindset to the one we had against Burnley, where we got to go there. We got to get an early goal. Otherwise they are going to make things very, very difficult for us. Um, so, you know, going in there and sucker punching them right off the bat for both matches is going to be key. Um, you know, and, and, and alluding to the Ren game specifically, I mean, it is a home match, um, which probably suits Ren um, more than us at this point, because Ren might have the possibility to have some fans or might not, who knows, um, but but we just got to pick up the points as they are available. We have a really, really easy run of games coming up. Not I wouldn't say easy, but um, a pretty light run of matches coming up in terms of quality of opponent uh, before we get to the Tottenham game. So picking up 9 or 12 points on the spin heading into that sounds really good to me. Um, and and that's, that's what I hope happens. So I don't know. I mean, if I'm going to go match predictions, I'll go 2-0 against Ren. Um, and I'm going to go another 3-0 against Sheffield. I think we get two more clean sheets. Andreas, what about you? I think we will continue to get clean sheets as well, and I'm going to add that, hmm, I think that in one of these two games, we're finally going to see the goal-scoring side of Kai Havertz's game. And I, I know you guys seeing it in Europe. 
Yeah, and I know you guys put uh, in the notes that there's no Ampadu. Is that is that a for sure thing that in the Premier League they won't yeah. they won't play him? You yeah. can't play against your your parent club. Right. Okay. Uh, I thought in, in I got it Premier mixed League. up. I thought it was Champions League. It's in League, the Premier it's, League. It's the opposite, right? Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cl- the the c- cup competitions you can put in a petition to allow you to. Uh, leagues themselves you can't play your parent club i knew i knew that I was at least not guys. in the prem or at least at the chelsea thing well just looking at the odds right now i, I decided that's gonna be my new thing i'm gonna look at the odds uh against ren minus 278 so pretty much three to one odds uh, to win and then uh or one and then minus 250 against uh against sheffield so pretty pretty heavy favorites and uh I said last week to bet on the on the draw for both matches, but I think uh, I think that these should be easy wins for us, both because of our form and because of the form of these other teams. I mean, again, Ren is in good form. Sheffield has looked awful this year. Sheffield is so, um, really not. Bad. I'm not superstitious. I'm a, I'm a little stitious, so I need you to say to bet on draws again. Oh yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at the draws plus 400. That's a good bet. Both matches, I would just parlay that. Parlay. That's like plus. If you if you bet 10 bucks, you'll win like like there you eight, go. You, you bet win like 500 bucks. So let's do it. If my math is correct. There it is. Everyone Much everyone do that. And then if you win, Venmo me like 20 bucks of your winnings. <laughs> <laughs> and if you lose, I'm not sending you any money. <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm predicting yeah. I'm predicting draws. I'll just do that. Okay, that's my new thing. I'm predicting draws every match. Boom. Until until, until we don't win. Full foolproof <laughs> system until proved otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree really. I mean, it, it worked out for us last week. There's no reason why it won't work out for us. Seven this week. goals exactly. scored, zero conceded. I mean Life is good. Yeah. Two ZS goals. Mason Mount or Mount of the Match performance. Luck of the draw. Ooh. Ooh. I like that too. Like that too. Like that too. Definitely not the non the right context, but it works. I really want to end this pod on a high before we ruin how well we ended this episode. So I'm gonna cut it off here, guys. But um until next week, um hopefully we can get those uh those two dubs. But I'm very confident that we can do so with two clean sheets as well um but anyways i mean we do have an international break coming up after the sheffield united match so make sure you guys are actually looking out for our episode that we will be dropping during the international break we're not going to leave you hanging don't worry um and until then keep the blue flag flying high